Welcome to the Happy Menopause Podcast with me, Jackie Lynch, registered nutritional therapist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialize in women's health and the menopause. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. And my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is packed with practical nutrition advice to support you through this transition. It's out now and available to order in all the usual places. Join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife in this podcast and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. Welcome to the final episode of season three of the Happy Menopause. I'm rounding up this season with a solo episode and we're going to focus on bloating, which can be a nasty niggling issue for lots of women. And I've got a lot to say about how to beat the bloat. But before I get started, it's time for a few thank yous. Firstly, thank you to you for listening. This podcast is a labour of love for me. It's something that I do on top of all my clinical work and the menopause nutrition workshops that I run. So it's an added extra on top of a pretty full to-do list. I originally only planned to do a one-off season, but you've given me such positive feedback that I've kept going. And now, 250,000 downloads later... I'm getting ready for season four, which starts in September. I can't tell you how pleased I am that you find it helpful. And I owe a huge thank you to all my brilliant guests for taking the time out of their busy schedules to share their expert advice and their inspirational journeys. If you haven't had the chance yet, please do give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. And if you have time to leave a two-line review, that would be even better. The more reviews I get, the more the algorithms kick in, so that the podcast features on the recommended lists, and even more women find it. We've had a blast this season, and covered so many different themes. Hormonal headaches, pelvic floor, walking, positivity, sex, herbs, and of course bone health, with the inspirational Dr. Catherine Walter. I don't play favourites, because all my guests are fantastic, but I really do love that episode, and I want to be just like her when I grow up. If you take a listen, you'll know exactly what I mean. I'm taking a little break in August, before coming back with season four on the 1st of September. Why don't you treat yourself to something from the archive in the meantime, while you're lounging on the beach, or travelling, hopefully undelayed, to your holiday destination? You might also like to take my book, The Happy Menopause, as your travel companion, because it's a symptom-by-symptom nutrition guide on how to manage your way through this tricky phase of life. It's a very easy read, and you can just dip in and out to the section that's most relevant for you. There's a whole chapter on digestion which goes with this episode very nicely. But let's get on with the business of the day and talk bloating. It can affect different people in different ways. You might have a sense of overfulness after even quite a small meal, or find that you can't do up your trousers by the end of the day. Some women experience such a distended abdomen that they describe it as looking six months pregnant after starting the day with a flat stomach. Bloating can also manifest as back pain, and a sensation of trapped wind can be very common too. It may or may not be relieved by a bowel movement, and you often have to wait several hours for it to subside. Whatever your experience, bloating is generally unpleasant, often painful, 
and can be annoyingly unpredictable. Before you do anything else, you do need to speak to your doctor. It's very important to rule out any underlying medical condition that could be contributing to your bloating, such as an inflammatory bowel condition or endometriosis, for example. Any persistent change in your bowel habits really needs to be checked out. Don't just do nothing, because it's incredibly important to be proactive about your health. But once you've ruled out any medical conditions, here are eight things you can try for yourself that might make a difference. Firstly, are you chewing your food properly? Digestion actually starts in the mouth. In fact, technically, it starts before that, when your mouth starts to water in response to the smell of food in anticipation of what's to come. Our saliva is producing digestive enzymes, which break down carbohydrates. As we chew our food, this activates that digestive process. So if you're in the habit of eating very quickly and swallowing large lumps of unchewed food, you're on a fast route to indigestion and bloating. Because basically, your stomach can't do the job of your teeth. You don't need to chew everything 32 times, or whatever they say on the internet, but you do need to make sure you've broken down the food properly before swallowing it. If you're usually the first to finish your meal, my challenge to you is to slow right down and aim to be the last. Your stomach will thank you for it. You might also find that you don't need everything that's on the plate, because eating slowly and mindfully can help with weight management by activating the satiety response that tells you when you're full. Next thing to consider? Are you eating too much fruit? Of course, there's loads of good reasons to eat fruit because it's very nutritious. But it's not always a great thing for a sensitive gut. If someone comes to my nutrition clinic with constant bloating and wind, one of the first things I'll look at is how much fruit they're eating. If you're having three or more portions of fruit a day and struggling with digestive symptoms, then I'd suggest you try avoiding it to see what difference that makes. One common mistake people make is to have fruit as dessert. That seems like a smart move because it avoids the sugary option, but it's not always a great shout if you have a sluggish digestion. Fruit breaks down more quickly than other food, and so it can sit on top of the meal you've just eaten and start to ferment and putrefy, which can cause very unpleasant symptoms of bloating, cramping, gurgling and flatulence. Try having your fruit a couple of hours away from a meal and see what difference that makes. Number three, are you eating too much wheat? You may not necessarily have an intolerance or an allergy to it, but wheat is notoriously harsh on a sensitive gut and can be a common culprit in bloating and wind because it takes a lot of work for the body to break it down. There's nothing wrong with wheat as such, but if you're having Weetabix for breakfast, a sandwich at lunchtime and pasta for dinner, that's a lot of wheat. If you struggle with bloating, I'd look at significantly reducing the amount you're having because it could help to settle things down. Try an oat-based breakfast, such as muesli or porridge. Have a salad or soup for lunch. Or try a rye bread sandwich, as this can be easier to digest as long as it's 100% rye and not a mix of wheat and rye. And then maybe have rice or potatoes as part of your evening meal instead of pasta. It could be a game changer. Next one, how stressed are you? 
Our gut is often called our second brain, and it's a really good reflection of what's going on with us generally. Basically, it's happy brain, happy gut. And the reverse is also true. The gut and the brain are connected by a long nerve called the vagus nerve, which sends messages back and forth. And it's one of the reasons why it's not unusual to experience issues of low mood and anxiety when you have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. The gut sends alarm signals to the brain via the vagus nerve, and this can sometimes trigger psychological symptoms in sympathy. Equally, when you're experiencing severe or chronic stress, the brain will send its own alarm signals back down to the gut. You can almost feel the gut tightening up when you get stressed. This will slow down the digestive process, which is why bloating and trapped wind are common symptoms of stress. I recorded a whole episode on nutrition for managing stress and boosting resilience in Season 1, Episode 17. So do take a listen for lots of helpful advice from me. But in the meantime, you can try taking practical steps to manage your stress by ensuring you're not overloading your schedule and daring to say no. And try focusing on relaxing activities such as restorative yoga, mindfulness, a daily walk in nature or a round of paced breathing, which is when you slow down your breathing to around seven breaths per minute instead of the average 13 to 14 breaths. A little self-care can go a long way in helping to calm your stress response. It's not something we midlife women are terribly good at, because we're so busy looking after everyone else instead. But at this stage of your life, it's more important than ever that you're kind to yourself, because this will have a direct impact on the severity of your menopause symptoms. Okay, so we're halfway through my list. What's next? Are you overdoing the dairy? Like wheat, this is another common culprit when it comes to digestive symptoms, and it can often cause issues such as bloating, flatulence, and loose stools or constipation. There could be a couple of different reasons for this. Firstly, lactose, which is a sugar found naturally in milk, is one of a group of foods known as high FODMAP. FODMAP, F-O-D-M-A-P, is an acronym, and it stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. These are types of carbohydrate, which can be very hard for some people to digest. And wheat falls into this category too, which is why I mentioned it earlier. It can often depend on the level of stress you experience. Some people find they can eat high FODMAP foods on holiday, but not once they're back to the pressures of their daily life, which can be very confusing if you're trying to identify trigger foods for your bloating. Milk and milk-based products, such as ice cream or creamy sauces, for example, are very high in lactose, and you might benefit from avoiding them or trying a lactose-free option. Butter, cheese and yoghurt tend to be lower in lactose, so you could find that your digestion can cope with these more easily and you may not need to eliminate them as well as the milk. If, on the other hand, you have an intolerance or an allergy to milk, lactose-free or low-lactose products won't help you, because this is an immune response. The antibodies in our immune system react to the protein in foods that we're sensitive to, the protein in wheat, dairy, eggs or apples, or whichever food you react to. It's the protein that's the problem. 
In this case, lactose-free milk won't help you because it still contains the milk protein. So if you've tried reducing milk or using lactose-free versions and you still have digestive problems, you may benefit from going full-on dairy-free for two to three weeks to see if this makes a difference to your symptoms. This means no milk, butter, cheese, yogurt, cream, and any products that feature these as ingredients. There are lots of quite tasty plant-based options available once you start looking. You can get soya, rice, oat, coconut, almond, cashew, or hazelnut milks in the supermarkets. There are also some quite delicious plant-based yogurts available, so you can still enjoy these goods just by making a few tweaks. And with the rise in veganism, there are any number of dairy-free treats, ready meals or baked products out there. So it might not be as hard as you anticipate. It's certainly worth a try if you struggle to get to the bottom of your bloating. Next up, think about what you're drinking, because that might be a factor too. Bubbles don't suit everyone. So if you have a lot of carbonated drinks, you might want to try easing back on that because it could be contributing to your bloating. Avoid fruit smoothies, because the high levels of fruit sugar can sometimes disrupt digestion, as I mentioned earlier. And you need to watch out for diet drinks or other products that contain sweeteners, because some of these are polyols, which might cause bloating. Remember polyols? That's the P in FODMAP that I mentioned earlier. Examples would include mannitol, sorbitol, and xylitol. Some people find that it's best to avoid drinking a lot of water at mealtimes and to drink it around a meal and not with it. Hydration is very important for lots of reasons, of course, not least to avoid constipation. But too much fluid with an actual meal may not help your cause if you struggle with bloating. Alcohol is another potential culprit, especially beer, lager and cider. But some people find any form of alcohol can cause bloating, so you might do well to steer clear. Try a soothing peppermint tea after a meal. The peppermint can help to ease the muscles in the digestive tract, which can reduce the spasms that often lead to bloating and wind. So it might be especially helpful after a rich or heavy meal. Here's a surprising one. Watch out for chewing gum. You might have got into the habit of using it regularly as a way of managing your weight by avoiding snacking. The problem is that this can lead to you inhaling air into the digestive tract, which in turn can lead to bloating. As you swallow air, the combination of gases can become trapped in the stomach and small intestine, which can cause bloating and discomfort. Gas is usually evacuated from the body by belching or farting, but if it's trapped, the resulting bloating can be very uncomfortable. So if you're a regular gum chewer, it might be the time to step away from that for a while and see what difference it makes. And finally, is a specific food causing the problem? There might be any number of reasons that a food causes bloating. It could be a food allergy or a food intolerance. It might be a high FODMAP food. Beans are another good example of this. Lots of people find that beans make them a bit bloated or windy. Too much sugary food and refined carbohydrate can often be a culprit as well. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter what the reason is. The most important thing to do is to identify and deal with the trigger food. 
The smart way to do this is to keep a food and symptom diary, so you can start to identify cause and effect. It does require some detective work, though, because although it can happen pretty quickly, sometimes bloating can take a good 12 hours to kick in. If your bloating's pretty consistent and happens most days, I'd suggest that you start by focusing on something that you're eating or drinking regularly. If you've already ruled out wheat or dairy as a possible culprit, it might be eggs, yeast, alcohol or sugar, for example, or something else that you're eating most days. Once you've got a suspicion about a food, try eliminating it completely for a couple of weeks and then reintroducing it to see if it triggers the bloating. The best way to do that is one by one. That way you really can pin it down to a specific food. If you eliminate lots of things at the same time and the bloating improves, you'll never really know which, if any, of those were the problem. These are all simple and practical ways that you can try to address your bloating. But the digestive system is complex. If you've had a go at these and are still making no progress, then you might benefit from a more therapeutic approach, and it could be worth reaching out to a nutritionist. Bloating is a common problem for women in midlife, and it's something I come across a lot in my nutrition clinic. There are all manner of other potential causes, including hypochlorhydria, which is low stomach acid, lack of digestive enzymes, dysbiosis, which is an imbalance of the gut microbiome, or a fungal overgrowth in the gut. And there are lots of ways to deal with these issues. So don't suffer in silence and assume that this is how it's going to be for the rest of your life. There's a lot that can be done, even if it does require a bit of expert nutritional support to get you to the right place. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you get to the bottom of your bloating. If you'd like to find out more about me and my nutrition clinic, book a menopause workshop for your office or social group, or discover my nutrition books, then just visit my website, well-well-well.co.uk, where you can find out more information. I hope you have a great summer. I'm currently beavering away with recording three launch episodes for season four with some absolutely brilliant guests. It'll be live on the 1st of September, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. In the meantime, if you have the chance to give the podcast a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on, I'd be so grateful. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. It really does make a difference to the visibility of the podcast so that more women can find the show. After all, every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks for listening. Take good care of yourself and bye for now.